This episode is sponsored by World Anvil. World Anvil is an award-winning world-building and writing software for people who love to create rich and exciting worlds. Dungeon Crawlers. We would be honored if you would join us. All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers, where, wow, you're only going to be hearing two voices this evening because, well... Let's just put it this way. Krebs is sitting on a beach in the middle of Jamaica, and you just can't say anything more than that. The stalwart uh, ones are here. Yes. We just got snowed upon in Utah. He's enjoying sandy beaches, and we're enjoying gray, slushy snow. Yes. Yeah, slushy snow. And not the not the kind that's tasty to, to eat. Uh, yeah. The ty- type you don't want to touch. Anyways, however, it is a new year. It's the first of the year. And because of that, you know, we've got some uh, some great and exciting things to talk about. We have a new sponsor uh, for the show, World Anvil, that we'll uh, talk about a little bit later. And we have some exciting content coming your way. Uh, most importantly, we will be interviewing Brandon Sanderson. And Woo-hoo! so next episode that you will hear from us will be us talking to Brandon Sanderson and talking about his latest novel in the Mistborn series, The Lost Metal, as well as Secret Project One and some writing and other cool stuff uh, that he's been working on. But tonight, or this episode's show, is all about cheesy and gone too soon shows from the 80s and 90s. That's, that, that is two separate uh, subjects. You know, really cheesy shows from the 80s and 90s that we enjoyed or maybe we didn't enjoy. And then shows that were gone too soon that we wish had stayed around. You know, kind of like Firefly. You know, we kind of wish it would have hung around a little while. But, you know, yeah. that isn't in that time frame. Uh, that know, definitely you know, Daniel, came later. The, this, these yeah. can be the same category. These can be cheesy shows. That is that we still wish had lasted a little bit longer than they did. And I think that some of our listeners may, um, uh, may feel that way too. When we take the gone too soon, they're going to say, Oh, but that was such cheese. And I'll say yes, but so are Cheetos and I can't get enough Cheetos. Mm. Yep. Can't have enough Cheetos. Uh, and not only that, they purposely make it so their dust sticks to your finger. Uh, I learned that, um, I've been watching, you know, over the Christmas break, I was watching some snack food shows and they purposely make it so that sticks to your fingers um, because they found in a test group that when they made it so it didn't stick to your fingers, people didn't like them. It's weird. <laughs> you know, people like sucking the, the cheese dust off their fingers. But anyways, it's it stays uh, with you forever. Just like the memory of these wonderful TV shows from the 80s yes. and 90s. Yes, yes, yes. So. Uh, we talked before the show and we decided we we're going to start with the cheese first because, you know, the cheese is always the topping on first before you get down to the meat of things. So with cheesy, uh, how do we want to go about this? One at a time. Do you want to yeah, do one or let, two? Let, let, let's switch off. You do one, I'll do one. So, uh, you know, I, I've got my list. Uh, I'm going to start from one of the cheesiest, you know, from least cheesiest down to what I thought was the cheesiest. Um, least cheesiest, but still was a cheesy show from the eighties and nineties saved by the bell, man. That <laughs> was just, Oh my gosh. 
school teen drama with Mark Paul Gosling. Yeah. Gosling. Tiffany, Tiffany Amber Thiessen now and a, a whole plethora. You know, you, the, the, the theme song got stuck in your head really easy. You know, uh, Mr. Belding was a principal that you everyone wished they had because he was such a pushover. And there was just things that were just so far stretched. My high school experience was nothing like that high school experience. <laughs> you know, not only that, I mean, the giant cell phone that Zach had. Uh, I mean, I get that back in the day, that's what cell phones look like. But watching that, even now, watching back, I'm like, man, <laughs> this thing was just crazy. How did I, why did I like this? And I mean, even then it was, I found it cheesy, but now it just doesn't stand up to the test of time. And the cheesy factor is just so much worse. I just couldn't get over the fact that the voice of Kit is the principal. Uh, you're thinking of uh, Boy Meets World. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. no, you're yeah. right. Yeah, Boy no, Meets World, Mr. Some other... Yeah, Mr. Yeah. Feeney was the voice of Kit, yes. Oh, I'm sorry, yes. No, it's I okay. I got mixed up with that. But yeah, no, there was Screech and you know Slater and all those other guys. And then, yeah. of course, you know the gal that played uh, Jesse ended up like really trying to break away from Elizabeth Berkeley, uh, that that character, and then did uh, Showgirls, and yeah, yeah, I don't think I don't think her uh, career ever recovered from that did, one. Did not help. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's number one on my cheese. All right, list. that's a good pick. That's a good pick. Um, my uh, least cheese uh, on this list was Misfits of Science. Okay. I uh, loved this show. It was very short lived. Uh, but it had uh, the first of all, the theme song was by Cindy Lauper, who was really popular at the time. Yeah. And uh, it had Dean Paul Martin played Dr. Billy Hayes. He's the son of Dean Martin, uh, the Dean Martin. And he was the only one that didn't have powers. His uh, colleague scientist was this really tall African-American guy, Kevin Peter Hall, uh, his character was uh, Elvin Lincoln, and he had the, he's so tall. And the joke is that his ability, he experimented on himself. His ability is he can shrink down from seven foot four to 11 inches. Um, and then he has to put on some uh, doll clothes that he always carries in his pocket. Usually it was from the Michael Jackson doll that was popular that in, in that era. So was, he's either wearing Ken clothing from Ken and Barbie or Michael mm -hmm. Jackson clothes. And uh, that, that was great. And then also it had uh, Johnny, Johnny B. Bukowski, uh, who was got struck by lightning and now he has electricity powers. He can shoot electricity. He can run really fast, but he's weak. If he, if he gets wet, then he gets burnt and short circuited and loses all of his powers. But the big breakout role was Courtney Cox as Gloria, a telekinetic troubled teenager on parole. Uh, and it was just, I, I just loved this idea of non uh, non-superhero types having superpowers and it was yeah. just it, and it was funny and it was kind of wacky they got around from place to place in an ice cream truck that was the uh superhero mobile of the day and it, i just enjoyed it it was just lots of fun nice that's that's a good choice uh second in my list is double dare from Nickelodeon. Oh, Nickelodeon. The, and not, not the, you know, the the more current ones, but the original 
double dare on Nickelodeon where, you know, it was a game show, but this was the first time you ever saw on a game show where kids got, you know, splashed with food or soaked in green slime. And it was just goofy and cheesy. And sometimes they'd ask like the dumbest questions and you're like, what in the world are like, why can't you answer this? You know, it's, these are simple questions and the kids just, it astounded me. But at the same time, <laughs> you, you loved to see them get soaked in slime. I mean, yes. that was, yes. or, or, or have food come out of a pipe and land on them or get thrown at them. And it was just like, it was so cheesy. Um, that's, that's my number two. Oh man, love that show. Josh is going to be sad he missed this because uh, he was closer to the age group for that audience than than I was at the time. Yeah, and yeah. He just he ate that show up. Just loved it. Um, wouldn't be bad to uh, honor, to mention uh, you can't do that on television. Uh, oh yeah, that was too, a great speaking one too. Of Nick, Nickelodeon, uh, but yeah. I wouldn't put that in either of these categories because it lasted for a number of seasons. It was actually a pretty successful show. It so, definitely was, and you know, a lot of great uh, individuals came out of that. I mean, Alanis Morissette was yeah. one of the the main uh, characters on that. So, yeah, that yeah. I, I I watched that show a lot as well. So my. Um... My my uh, next one is the powers of Matthew Starr. First of all, I love this because he's got a great name. You got to love Matthew, uh, but it's got Lewis Gossett Jr. He plays a uh, Walt Shepard, who is the guardian of Matthew Starr, played by actor Peter Barton, who was mainly a soap opera star at that point. He was one of those '80s pretty boy actors who was just too good looking to be real. Uh, and yeah. so they decided to give him his own TV show. It did not last long. But the idea was that uh, Matthew Starr and Walt Shepard uh, were from this other planet. And they had and, and Matthew was a prince. He was uh, of the royal line and they had to hide him when the planet got invaded. And so they came to Earth where he hides out and tries to be like a regular high school teenager only because he's an alien, he's got these amazing powers, generally revolving around telekinesis. But as the show goes on, they introduce additional powers that he gains as he goes through puberty and kind of grows up and Walt helps train him and things like that. But it was just, I just loved it because some kid, you realize this is Matthew, this is me, Matai, being a teenager early teens and here's this good looking kid named matthew who's got freaking superpowers right he can move things with his mind uh he can astral project he can speak telepathically with walt um it was just so cool uh all the different things he could do man i wanted to be him so bad uh, i loved that show so much and i i completely understand if nobody else agrees with me um, but I loved this show, uh, but it was definitely cheesy. I, I actually went back and watched it. You can get all the episodes on, on YouTube. I went back and watched it a few years ago, and I'm like, I cannot believe I was so in love with the show. <laughs> you look at it now, and every trope in the book is thrown into this TV show. It is there's There is nothing surprising in it, except it's kind of mm -hmm. cool uh, that he's got these powers. And uh, 80s TV show level special effects. So nothing, nothing special there. Um, but um, man, I just, I just love the idea this guy had powers. Nice. Very nice. 
so number three on my list for cheesy, uh, and I'm going here. Uh, I know a lot of people are going to be like shaking their head, but droids. It was the, <laughs> oh, the uh, Saturday morning cartoon. Saturday morning cartoon of droids, which was George Lucas and Lucasfilm's attempt to put a cartoon out there because they didn't have any movies out at the time, but they're trying to play off the, the Star Wars popularity in the franchise. And we get this little cartoon series focused on three CPO or C three PO. I always I keep getting Come those on, mixed Daniel. up for some reason. <laughs> I am so tired of that, but and and R two. This is also one of the first times we ever see Boba Fett in this series. And he does not look like the Boba Fett we see in Empire Strikes Back. And and we see in, you know, in later iterations of him. He's you know, he's on this weird purple dinosaur type thing. And but man, uh it was definitely an extremely cheesy cartoon show and not what you would expect from the world of, of Star Wars. You know, if you look at Clone Wars and Rebels and some of the stuff that we've, we're seeing nowadays and you go back and look at the droids, you're just like, what What was I smoking? I mean, it, yeah, it, <laughs> we don't know what they were doing over at Lucasfilms other than trying to create something for kids to, to really hit that market. But it just I, I feel like it just failed. It just wasn't one of those memorable ones. It was just so cheesy that I think everyone just said, all right, and hit click and turned off the TV. After Ewok Adventure, they had to go someplace. Yeah, yeah. Well, even the Ewoks cartoon. I mean, uh, yeah. that's... Well, I think it was paired up a, with the Ewoks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was just as, as bad, which is kind of funny because, you know, while we're talking about this, uh, you know, Krebs earlier sent us a picture like, hey, look what's on the, you know, the wherever he's at in Jamaica's TV channel. And it was Ewoks, uh, the Ewoks <laughs> cartoon. So, yeah. Wow. I remember that show. Um, yeah, I, you know, attentive listeners will remember that we, uh, did a Saturday morning cartoon lament, uh, several episodes back where we talked about several of our favorite uh, Saturday morning cartoons and how sad we are that, uh, today's kids don't get to have that experience yeah. of getting up early and pour, making yourself a bowl of cereal so you can sit on the carpet in front of the, the TV set for the next four hours, and just yep. veg out on cartoons. Meanwhile, your parents got to sleep in. They liked having Saturday morning cartoons too. All right. Uh, well, my next pick is Manimal. Anybody remember Manimal? This, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This was uh, a British dude. Uh, grows up in uh, having traveled all around the world and learned the secrets of uh, these different isolated tribes, and he can change into the form of various animals, uh, a tiger, a, a an eagle or a hawk, something like mm -hmm. that. Uh, he had, uh, yeah, several different forms he could change into. And uh, it was, and they really tried to get the effects right, uh, but they were on a limited budget. So they would do a transformation once and then reuse it every time he changed into that animal. Yeah. One of the things that got my attention on it, besides the cool shape-shifting concept, was that Melody Anderson was the love interest. And this time she was blonde, but I, she was also Dale Arden from the Flash Gordon movie. Yeah, and loved that movie. So I saw her on this. I had to watch the show, and then he changes into animals, and that's kind of cool. 
But man, this thing was so the writing on it, it was always a, it always strained believability. The mm-hmm. stories were always pretty weak. It's not a surprise this thing did not last very long. And it was incredibly cheesy. Mainly what it had going for it was, um, uh, what's his name? Peter York? I thought Michael York? I don't know. The, the guy who played it was British. He had a fantastic, refined British accent. And that re- really kind of added some charm uh, to the show. Uh, and then, of course, they had the... Uh, um, cool african-american sidekick uh to add some comedy relief to this whole thing so those three were the main stars of the show and it was just a episode of the week kind of a thing we got a problem they come in they solve it they move on meanwhile there's you know investigative reporters or law enforcement trying to figure out trying to track down um this how these mysterious animals keep appearing and disappearing uh but i remember manimal man that was kind of a cool show yeah all right so next on my list um max headroom oh Uh, you know it was okay very interesting show kind of ahead of its time with graphics and stuff like that but you know the story is kind of weird you know where the main character is seriously injured um by his corrupt employers um because, you know, he's a crusading, you know, reporter. You know, he's, he's kind of like Clark Kent but without superpowers. Uh, he then undergoes a procedure to digital, digitize his mind into a computer program. You know, and there was always the weird glitching and the talking patterns and everything. And, um, you know, he was able to move through computers and televisions and the network freely. Um, but it was definitely a really cheesy show because I could never take... You know, they try to have really serious drama parts. And when, you know, and you have Max talking, he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like we see in Back to the Future where he kind of has the weird glitch and then he finally talks through and it just, it always pulled me out of it. And it was just so cheesy seeing this guy in the computer. But now, you know, looking back, like that's almost reality. I mean, we almost have AI that can do that. Um, We see a lot of TV series now where, you know, like upload where people, when they go to pass away, they actually, um, you know, they have their consciousness uploaded. Yeah. So uh, at the time it was like a cheesy thing, but looking back at it, it definitely doesn't stand the test of time. (laughs) It was, it was trying to be a serious drama, but just couldn't pull it off. It just seemed too cheesy. I remember that show. I could, I always had the hardest time trying to follow the storyline. And I think one of the things it suffered from is it couldn't decide what it was. You're right. It tried to be serious, but Max Headroom was too funny. Uh, It tried to be a science fiction show, but they never talked about the science. He just does things and there's, there's no consistency or rules that are, that are just, it's d- literally deus ex machina, you know, there's yeah. a ghost in the machine, a literal ghost in the machine it just does whatever the story needs them to do, you know? Yes. And so I, I, yeah, I had a hard time following that series, but I, I remember that. Yeah. So that, that's my, that's my number two working towards number one. All right. Well, my number two is auto man. 
Uh, and if you remember Auto Man, it was kind of, a, a, again, very short-lived. I think the episodes were really expensive to make. But uh, the main character is this detective is more of an IT guy. Um, and he's, uh, yeah, kind of a computer programmer. And he it's played by Desi Arnaz Jr., who is the son of Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. Uh, so he finally gets his own TV show and then auto man, or he, he or, I'm sorry, let me explain this a little better. He creates this computer program and because of a weird accident and a lightning bolt or something like that, the program he creates becomes self-aware and can project himself as a solid light hologram named auto J man or auto man. And, um, he it's kind of funny because he's uh who was it played by chuck wagner and if you look up uh you'll, you'll recognize his face if you look him up on uh, on google uh he's on he was a model uh and he'd done a few bit parts in acting but they wanted to put him in this and he wore this suit that would glow and have weird kind of like tron effects but it had a lot of sparkly things like stars that would move uh kind of on his body um but he had, and then he had cursor, uh, which was his uh, tool, and it could change into a car or to a helicopter or to a boat. But he was affected by if there was enough power. You know, if, if people were having brownouts or blackouts, Auto Man would get weak, and he could only, you know, be there as long as there was enough electrical power for all of this. But they'd go around solving crimes and taking out the mob and doing all uh, this crazy stuff. It was completely unbelievable. And anybody who knows anything about computers, especially the computers of the 80s, knows that nothing like this would ever have been even close to possible. Uh, but it was kind of a, a neat concept in the age when everybody was thinking that computers could were, were miracle machines. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and the effects were cool. A lot of glowing blue stuff. Yes. All right, so down to my number one most cheesy pick of this time frame. Um, kind of really fits, at least for me it does. And that would be Gumby. It was an extremely <laughs> cheesy uh, animated cartoon. It definitely was claymation. But man, this thing did not take itself serious in any way, shape, or form. It, you were always wondering like where these storylines came from. Uh, eyeballs popping out, uh, limbs getting severed, but reattached and just weirdness. Like, I, but the crazy thing is I kept, I kept watching it. I would always come back to watch it. It was just so completely weird and strange and yet fascinating and wonderful. Uh, but it, yeah, it just, it holds the cheese factor for me the most out of all the, you know, the shows I was looking through. Um, it definitely was the, the cheesiest because there, there was no serious plot lines. There was no serious stories. It was just like, Hey, uh, let's try this idea out. And they, they do it. And then, you know, the next episode would, you know, cause you generally got two or three different short stories within an episode and it was completely different. Um, and had nothing to do or was, wasn't even similar to the previous story that you just watched. So that's why I feel like it's the cheesiest of, of my picks. Oh man. Yeah, absolutely. 
uh, cheesy, a little doughy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a little play doughy. It's really easy <laughs> to squish and just walk all over. Right. All right. Well, my number one most cheesy show I can think of from the 80s and 90s, <sighs> Galactica 1980. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It <clears throat> took this wonderful, amazing, groundbreaking show, Battlestar Galactica. The original yep. here, folks. This is the original from 1978. And they decided to bring it back, but they didn't bring Glenn Larson. And they yeah. thought they could get along without him. Yeah, they, the only character who, well, I guess Adama uh, carries over. Uh, but then they had Boxy. Boxy is now grown up, played by Kent McCord. And they got Barry Van Dyke uh, to play the new well, the equivalent of Starbuck. He was uh, Box Boxy's all serious, like Apollo was, and Barry Van Dyke's character um, is his his partner and yeah. is is kind of reckless, like Starbuck was. But they didn't have the budget. They certainly didn't have the the writers. The stories, the episodes were just they were just dumb. They had flying motorcycles. They made it to Earth, but they couldn't land because the Cylons were following them and they didn't want the Cylons to invade Earth. They had a bunch of Galactica children they brought down to the Earth and they disguised as the equivalent of the Boy Scouts, Boy Girl Scouts, and but they could jump really high, you know, as high as a tree and they didn't understand that they were aliens and they had superpowers and they couldn't show that off. And it was just... <sighs> It just ruined what could have been. It was, if you're a fan of Battlestar Galactica, never watch Galactica 1980. It will ruin everything for you to see the costumes and the miniatures and the ships used in this fashion. It was just so bad and it bad in a cheesy way. They were trying, they were trying to be sincere and it just did not come across. Yeah, I remember watching that show because I love Battlestar. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, seeing the Vipers zip through the sky, attacking the Cylons and everything, you know, and the long journey to, to get to, you know, to Earth. You know, it, when it first started, we didn't know it was Earth. Um, but, you know, that's at least when I was a kid, I didn't know that. that's where they were trying to get to. But watching this whole series and seeing these Cylons and these robots, and I even remember going to Universal Studios and seeing the Cylons there. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Like, just like, oh, my gosh, they're here. Um, you know, and having the red light zip back and forth, mm -hmm. kind of like mm -hmm. what Kit did. It was just, it was fascinating. It was wonderful. And then you see this show. And it's just like, what happened? Like, did, did you just give up? And like, you know, because I remember watching it as a kid, like, this isn't, battle star what is no, this no you know but it sort of looks like it but it's not and um you know it it really was a disservice and it i, I feel like they just like the thought hey let's just make let's just throw in everything we can do let's make it as cheesy as we can well well what if what if we made them superheroes but they can't show it kind of like clark kent mm -hmm. all right let's throw that in you know, what if we uh, give them like super cool space bikes that they can ride around? All right, let's do that. You know, it's like, but they got to Earth, but they can't go on Earth because the Cylons are still after them. All right, let's do that. It's like, it's, it, it just seemed like they were just everything yeah. was up for yeah. grabs and there was no 
plot line there was no like no we probably shouldn't do that it was just like yeah, yeah let's do it all Glenn yeah. Larson had a story to tell with Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. 19, the, the 1980s series was just, uh, they had to bring it back because the network was failing and they needed to, they were trying to get anything they could to, to air. And yeah. you did not have the, any, you did not have good writers. You did, and you're right. They, they had no objective. They were trying yeah. to come up with some story. And I, I suspect they probably borrowed from a lot of other scripts or half written scripts yeah. and tried to just cram, wrap it in a Battlestar Galactica theme and push it out, you know? Well, and not only that, you know, you didn't even really have any tie back to the series. Like Starbuck was gone. Adon, you know, Apollo is gone. You know, you had these new characters that you really didn't care about. Uh, and that was a huge problem. You know, when you're, you're going to start a new series, you know, I, that's something I really liked that CW did. You know, we had the arrow and then they, they started the flash, but the flash kept showing up in the arrow so that mm-hmm. you got, you got used to that character. You knew there that was character continuity. there was continuity because, okay, we, we, we trust what they're doing with this character we like this character and oh now they're introducing a new one and that slowly happened throughout the arrowverse it what and that was a formula they continued to do and it worked really well mm-hmm. and i like that and a lot of other shows have done that as well you, but when you throw out something that is a continuation of something that was really popular you need to have that cross connect because if you don't then people are just like what who are these people yeah why should i invest in these guys i mean I don't know them. I don't care about them. Yeah. And, you know, and unfortunately they made it even more cheesier and difficult to do that. Well, do you have any honorable mentions on your cheesy list? Oh, I've got several honorable mentions. Uh, Sabrina, the teenage witch, <laughs> uh, followed by Clarissa explains it all, you know, uh, Melissa Joan Hart <laughs> and both of those uh, really cheesy, you know, for those that are, you know, that have seen the Sabrina, the teenage witch, dark gritty drama on netflix you know the original one we saw was definitely not like that nope. it was goofy nope. and silly uh very really bad to... talking cat yeah <laughs> horrible talking cat uh it, it was cheesy it just didn't uh it really did not uh, take itself seriously the other one would be rocco's modern life hmm. uh, i have no clue what that was and then of course cat dog you know, two cartoons there that just, you didn't really know what was going on. And they were just extremely cheesy. I mean, seriously, a, a cat on one head and a dog on the other. I always ask the question, how does that thing go poop? You know, it just, <laughs> it just made zero sense. Someone's at the wrong end of that deal. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh man. Well, I, I've got, a, I've only got a couple here. There are plenty more out there. Oh yeah. There Perhaps are. our listeners can share in comments on Facebook or uh, any of our other places that we post this, but um, one of them was cop rock and Oh, that one did not get canceled fast enough. Uh, you know, it was, it was, in an era where uh, procedural dramas, cop shows were really, really popular. So somebody got the bright idea, let's do a cop drama, but we're going to put in current popular songs and actually have the actors sing and dance to it. Mm. And, and they were all just, you know, out of work actors, uh, up and comers. There weren't any real big stars at that time that were part of this. Some of them could sing, 
uh, and there were others that might have been able to sing, might have been able to dance, and might have been able to act, but they definitely could not do them all at the same time. And it was just the songs were so jarring. It didn't fit. They just popped up out of nowhere. And all of a sudden you've got somebody singing Elton John's I'm Still Standing while trying to dance down an escalator. And it just was so incredibly bad. I'm sorry, I'm spending too much time on this. Anyway, Cop Rock, you guys, if you guys know what I'm talking about, yeah, this one deserved to die. Another one was Super Force. And Super Force was a syndicated series um, about this. What I what I like about this one is it was set in the year in the far off year of 2020, <laughs> <laughs> and this guy uh, astronaut comes back from a mission to Mars to find that his family's been killed. Uh, he meets up with uh, a, a buddy family friend who has this battle suit he's put together that basically just projects a force field that makes him invulnerable and then he's got a bike with a whole uh, a motorcycle with a bunch of gadgets on it and things like that and he decides to go out and be a vigilante named super force you know just from the name i mean how cheesy is the name it's not even a force a group of people it's one person who has the hubris to call himself super force and the actor uh in it um is uh ken olant and if you don't recognize that name that's perfectly all right google him up and you will see oh it's that guy because he was always that guy that showed up in every cheesy show from the 80s 90s and well into the 2000s as well he was on v he was on star trek the next generation he was airwolf Magnum P.I. He was in a lot of different stuff. You, you've you seen this guy. Uh, but yeah, it was a very cheesy, bad show. It, you know, it, it, it barely made it to see. It was put in syndication. It didn't, it, never have, it didn't ever have a regular time slot, so it was really hard to find in the first place. But it didn't deserve a regular time slot. Nice. Now it's time to chat about our sponsor, World Anvil. World Anvil is an award-winning world-building and writing software for people who love to create rich and exciting worlds. With their software, you can create your world, manage your campaign, plan your novel, create a world wiki, wow your players, make novels more interactive, and make your worlds come to life. You can find them at worldanvil.com, and if you put in the discount code DCR40, you will receive a 40% discount today. So uh, did I tell you that I lost my job? You lost your job. That's not good. What happened? No, I got fired from my job at the keyboard factory. Apparently I wasn't putting in enough shifts. Uh, but that's at okay. It, at least there wasn't too many commands. <laughs> uh, I was out of control all the time. Uh, uh, but the uh, But that's okay because... I really wanted to go work at the mirror factory instead. It was really the only place I could see myself working. Yeah. Oh gosh. (laughs) I was going to say, why is that? But then my brain caught up. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, I didn't really want to tell any jokes about unemployment because none of them work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, that's like saying I'm afraid of the, for the calendar and that's because it's days are numbered oh <laughs> uh, wow the, the those both went very well together i, I will admit that <laughs> well oh. thank you all righty so 
again, yeah, folks, check out World Anvil, our new sponsor for the show. Uh, and again, you know, they graciously gave us a, a discount for our listeners. So when you sign up, that's a 40% discount. It's been a great tool. I've really enjoyed it. So uh, check them out. Uh, so the, the next round, you know, TV series from the 80s and 90s that we thought ended too soon that we wish would have stuck around for a little bit longer. Uh, since I went first last time, uh, how about you go first? Okay. Um, I've got, I didn't really have these in any particular order, um, but let's start, let's start with Street Hawk. I just mentioned Spa uh, Super Force a minute ago. Street Hawk is what Super Force wishes it could be. And uh, Street Hawk was mainly about, uh, the, the main part about Street Hawk was a souped up motorcycle that had all kinds of uh, gadgets and stuff in it. But it was um, this police officer who used to be a motorcycle racer and um, it starred Rex Smith, who was a famous singer uh, pop star and actor of the day. Um, but uh, he was Jesse Mock. In fact, I'll, I'll read to you the intro. An ex-motorcycle cop injured in the line of duty. Now a police troubleshooter, he's been recruited for a top-secret government mission to ride Street Hawk, an all-terrain attack motorcycle designed to fight urban crime, capable of incredible speeds up to 300 miles an hour and immense firepower. Only one man, federal agent Norman Tuttle, knows Jesse Mock's true identity. The man, the machine, Street Hawk. It was, it was another, um, it was definitely cheesy, but there was, they actually had a long way they could have gone with this yeah. show. Uh, and the acting was pretty decent. The writing was, wasn't bad. There was some real stakes involved you know can he make it to the garage and get on the bike soon enough uh sometimes he gets knocked off the bike is he any good without the motorcycle there and usually it's not uh computer assisted driving so he can go 300 miles an hour down urban streets and not crash and die uh but it was definitely in comparison to super force street hawk was the more interesting show and i would have wanted to see where they were taking the story and what more they could do with the with the bike and uh, the characters. They started bringing in more and more interesting characters. So I really liked it. Nice. Uh, good choice. Uh, kind of funny. You mentioned this earlier in cheese, uh, in a, where we're talking about our cheese, but one of the uh, series that I really feel like um, went before its time was, uh, yeah, the TV series Airwolf. Uh, I love that. You know, that theme song, I can dun. listen that, that, that and the Knight Rider theme are ones I can yeah. just listen to over and over again. You know, uh, yeah, Jan Michael Vincent and oh, who, who's the other guy? Uh, Ernest uh, Borgen Borgenheim. Ernest Borgenheim. It was it was such a great show, and you had this iconic uh, helicopter, and it, you know mm -hmm. when it would they'd be fighting, you hear the oh! sound or mm -hmm. whatever. I, I probably butchered that. It was just so amazing and cool. And then suddenly Jan Michael Vincent was gone. And then Ernest Borgnine was gone. And they replaced it with this other crew. And it just, it ended. It disappeared. I wish Barry Van kept... Dyke showing up once yep. again. Yeah. I wish they would have kept the original sauce because once they, they changed it, it just lost it. It died. It went too soon. Um, 
and I'm sure and I know there was some sort of legal matters or something that with uh, Jen Michael Vincent, but yeah. it just was a show that had so much promise and it was well written up until that point. And then after that, it just kind of fizzled. It was it was gone and horribly done. After that. Oh, man, but I loved Airwolf, just the the combat scenes were pretty well done uh yeah it probably doesn't stand up now they they reused a lot of footage you saw the same thing happening over oh, yeah. and over but it was written into the story and you believed it and yeah the sound effects the the helicopter just looked so cool oh yeah you know oh man and then and yeah and you knew things were about to get real when the theme song picked up and oh, you yeah. heard that growl of the helicopter as it mm-hmm. took off at super speed oh my gosh it was it was amazing well and not i mean it just had some really good shots i mean yes they reused quite a bit but you know you know when the, the theme song kicked in and whatever that plateau was and you see the helicopter rise up out of it, you know, yep, you knew yep. stuff was going to happen. Yeah. Um, but even though it was a, based around a helicopter, there was still a lot of really cool writing and things that happened outside of the helicopter. So it wasn't always mm-hmm. just two dudes flying around in a helicopter. And not only that, you know, Ernest Borgnine was still, you know, really late in his years. He wasn't trim. He wasn't fit. He was kind of a, a portly guy. And they still made that work. And it wasn't like, yeah, everyone has to be, you know, buffed up and muscular guys. These are two dudes that were in a helicopter. It didn't matter what their physical fitness looked like. You know, they would just need to be on their toes and really good at their, their jobs. And that's something that I really liked about the series as well. Because, you know, as much as I loved Knight Rider, you know, David Hasselhoff was always ripped. You know, mm-hmm. and there's quite often you saw him without his shirt on. And it was like, and, and he was hairy. We'll, we'll just put it out. <laughs> yeah, it was but popular in the 80s. It was. But, you know, I would see that and I'm like, is that normal? Is that real? But then I, I see this and see Ernest Borgnine. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I have an uncle that's that way. I, you know, that seems real to me. So that was one thing I enjoyed about it. Well, my my next one was Voyagers. And I, oh man, I liked this so much. It was a time traveling show. Uh, Phineas Bogg, played by model pretty boy actor John Eric Hexum, uh, is a time traveler. He uses this little device called an Omni, which is, looks kind of like a pocket watch. You can flip it open and a light flashes red if history yep. is wrong and it flashes green if history is right. And it's his job. He's he's part of the Voyagers, one of, uh, this group of people that travel through time and give history a push to kind of keep it on track. Uh, it kind of reminds me of Loki with the sacred timeline. They're trying to preserve the sacred timeline without, with, except for without the bombs that blow everything up. Uh, And he accidentally time travels to 1982 where he meets uh, Jeffrey Jones played by Mino. And I'm going to butcher this Mino Pellucci who's the the cousin of Punky Brewster, Soleil Moonfry. But he was in, he was in several different uh, kid shows back then, but uh, Phineas Bogg does not know history. He's more of a womanizer. And the reason that he keeps jumping to the randomly to different, times is he let he lost his instruction manual he he left his guidebook uh back at voyager's headquarters and now he can't get back but jeffrey jones this teenager knows history really really well 
And so the two of them pair up and they travel through time and Jeffrey Jones tells them what's wrong in this timeline. And the two of them work together to try and fix it. One of my favorite episodes was when they came across Thomas Edison and he took apart the Omni and he's like, Oh no, I'll never get back. And he says, no, there was a blinking light. How did you make that light? And because he's Thomas Edison, he's able to reassemble the device when he's done and they help him create the electric light and history is back on course again. Nice. Um, but anyway, that was one of the things I like about that. John Eric Hexum, you may remember, was in another series right after this, I think, uh, Silk Stockings or something like that. And he was playing around with a prop gun uh, that had blanks in it and he knew it had blanks in it. He was doing some Russian roulette game and he pulled the trigger with it against his head, thinking that it wouldn't, it's blanks, it couldn't hurt him. But the concussion blast um, hit his temple and uh, injured his brain and killed him. Uh. That's that's one of those stories of why you don't play with guns. <clears throat> Alec Baldwin. Uh, you <laughs> don't play with them. You take them seriously, right? Yeah. Well, you know, and that, that must have been a theme in the 80s, losing the instruction booklets. Because... For those of you that don't remember the classic, uh, uh, I think you're uh, going to steal mine. Oh, uh, maybe I'll back off if that. No, go ahead. Go ahead. It's it's not one of my. It's not one of mine. So if that is, we'll hold off. But there there okay. was definitely a superhero TV series that you know character lost the instruction booklet. So um, I, I I'll circle back if you don't mention it. But uh, my next one in line. I'm going to go back to a cartoon because uh, this one was a huge bitter disappointment. Uh, and this one is Dungeons and Dragons. We will never know if those oh. four kids ever make it back home. Um, I, it, I love you for choosing this one. It, it is a great, it was a great cartoon series. I, I still have it. Um, it was great. Uh, you know, Peter Cullen did the voice of Avenger, the bad guy in this film, you know, which was when I first was watching it, I'm like, wait a minute. That's Optimus Prime. That's what, that, wait a minute. He can't be the bad guy. But yeah, it was Peter Cullen doing the voice of Bender. Uh, it was going on around the same time as uh, Transformers. So it was definitely in his heyday. Uh, great stories. It was kind of the first time I'd ever heard about Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and it was a really, it was a good cartoon. It was, again, it was definitely cheesy. It's a cartoon. Uh, it wasn't taking itself seriously, but it, it never finished and the kids never got back home. And so we're all left wondering if they ever made it back to earth because they went on some really horrible roller coaster ride that ended them somewhere crazy land and they <laughs> met the dungeon master. And as we all know, dungeon masters are horrible and mean and notorious for taking their players to somewhere they never want to go. Um, yeah. Oh man, I love that. I've got the the cartoons on DVD as well. I showed it to my yeah. kids and even they loved it. It yeah. was so great. Uh that series was actually continued in comic book form in the 2000s. No, I I wasn't aware of that. So Yeah, I just found out about that a little while ago. So that might be worth looking up, but I that's that if you ask me what my favorite cartoon was from Saturday morning, Dungeons and Dragons. Very nice. Love it. All right. Well, my number three, it was a short-lived series called The Phoenix. 
And it's uh, it stars Judson Scott, who's another name you probably don't recognize, but it's a face you've seen in every science fiction series you've ever watched. Uh, so Google Judson Scott and you'll you'll know who I'm talking about. But he is an extraterrestrial being named Bennu of the Golden Light. And he was buried in a sarcophagus in Peru 40,000 years ago. He's an ancient alien and he's awakened to a modern earth in the 80s and has to travel to find out where his mate is uh his mate sarcophagus had been moved by that point and he's trying to find where she's at meanwhile there's an antagonist another alien named yago his arch nemesis that seeks to destroy him what's cool about Bennu is that he had this phoenix amulet uh, that could draw power from the sun and he had all kinds of uh paranormal abilities you know, like telekinesis uh telepathy astral projection a lot of it's kind of sounds a little bit like the powers of matthew star um but i just loved this he was just generally he was a peaceful non-confrontational person but then if you tried to get in his way he'd use his superpowers and, and kick your butt uh and but it was Apparently this, and I was too young to realize this at the time, but the series was influenced strongly by the book Chariots of the Gods, which was a popular book from the 70s that claimed ancient aliens had visited Earth and influenced the development of several civilizations and cultures. So if you ever hear anything about how aliens created the Egyptian pyramids and stuff, or uh, the Mayans and the Incans and influenced their uh, culture... That comes from this book, Chariots of the Gods. And so Bennu kind of was supposed to, he had a lot, there was a lot of Egyptian symbology that was uh, surrounded uh, Bennu. And um, that's kind of where that came from. And there was so, he there it was a story arc, which was very uncommon for the 80s. All the TV shows were always self-contained episodes. And this was more of, we're going to do a self-contained episode, but there's also a, a an arc in there if he's looking for his mate and he's being chased by this bad guy. And that was a continuous running theme. And there was progress made. I like that he'd always, he was a drifter. He'd go from one place to another, help somebody in the new town and then move on to the next town. Right. Uh, so that was pretty tropey that was just a normal uh way they would frame a lot of tv shows but i love that the story was continuing and i wanted to know how it ended i wanted to know how he eventually found his 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 wife and and the the showdown with yago and all the i and, and i love that he had powers i still like tv shows that have got these really cool superpowers uh and he was he was solar powered during the day, he would just sit out there uh, almost like sunbathing, but he was absorbing the sun's energy so he could use it later on. Um, it was it was a great show. I loved it. And it was gone too soon. Nice. Uh, well, I mean, since we're, we're talking about superheroes, I'll jump to my next one, which is The Flash from the 90s. Uh, <gasps> oh, yeah. John Wesley Ships. Yeah. That, that they brought back into the, you know, the newer Flash series and made him... Um, uh oh what was his name the older flash uh something garrett gosh dang it my brain is just it was not the playing. golden age flash dude right yes yes it was the golden age had flash. the mercury helmet yeah um meaning helmet like the god mercury i my my son loves the current flash series and yes. i was walking by one time and i saw john wesley ship up there and i'm like dude did you know that old guy right there 
he was the original Flash in this old mm-hmm. blew my son's mind. He's like, whoa, it's like Flashception. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he played Barry Allen. Uh, it only lasted a season, but it was really well done. The, in my opinion, it was probably one of the the better flash suits we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it it's you know, and it kind of had a velvety look. But uh, even though it was during the '90s when we you know we didn't have all these fancy CGI and all the, these great uh, gra- computer graphics, they did a great job with it. We also had some really fun. Um, villains you know like the trickster uh as mark hamill being oh him, yeah being him um and this was prior this was just prior to him being casted as the joker i believe um in uh the batman animated series so it was a great series it definitely uh was gone before its time uh because we we had some good it, again it was a superhero film it definitely was you know the issue of the week uh villain of the week type thing going on and you know but they had some really good stories it was during that same era as lois clark the new adventures of superman so they were definitely trying to expand on that um yeah so John Wesley Snipships played Henry Allen, so Barry's dad, and then came back and played um, another person. Man, I, I just got sidetracked because I, I saw that, but then I, I missed it. But um, either way, it was nice that they brought him back in, in the new Flash series. Um, that was so, a great series when that came it was. out. I remember seeing the commercials for it and I got so excited because you didn't have a lot of superhero TV shows on. And I've always been a comic book nerd. So when I saw that, I was excited to watch it. And then when the Flash suit was comic book accurate, I went crazy. It was just amazing. Now, I'm trying to remember the timing of things. Was that before or after Tim Burton's Batman came out? I think it was after. Uh, let me just double check. Uh, Batman, Tim Burton. 1989 was when the... So, yeah. So, Batman came out in 89. The Flash TV series was 1990. Yeah. So, we had just had this really great Batman movie. And uh, with, you know, and again, the costumes really are a part of it. Because if you go totally spandex and colorful like the comics... It's just hard to take it seriously on the screen. Comic yeah. books are fine, but on the screen, it just doesn't always work too well. But Batman's got a plain black costume, so that one yeah. translated great. And so then they bring in the Flash, and again, they're staying accurate to the costume yeah. uh, in the comic books. And I just, I think that for me at least, the excitement that I gained from the first Batman movie. Uh, carried over into this series and i really liked it it really fulfilled a need i had it so the flash character jay garrick it finally popped in my head uh that's the other yeah that's right the other version of him but that so the one thing i liked about the costume in in this series is it wasn't the very vibrant red the bright red it was definitely more of a muted red but it was still scarlet red it was, it still worked. 
you know, we still had a good, strong Barry Allen that was smart. We got to see the cop side, you know, the criminal investigator side of him. Um, and we got to see, you know, the Scarlet Speedster, and they did a good job in doing that with the technology they had at the time. And they delivered good, solid superhero stories. I just wish that it would have been able to last more than one season. Um, and it was definitely before its time. You know, even though we had the Batman movie, I don't think everyone was ready for superheroes. Uh, Superman was okay at the time because we've had several Superman TV series. Um, and shortly after this, she had Lois and Clark, the new adventures yeah. of Superman. Yeah, we had that. And then we also, you know, we also had Superboy. So we had a few things. Mm -hmm. I just think it just came out a little too early. Mm -hmm. Well, great pick. That was a great pick. Uh, all right. So my number two on my list. And I, if you recognize this title, I hope everybody will go with me. Wizards and Warriors. Mm. I loved this show because it was it had some humor. It was a great fantasy swords and sorcery kind of a thing. And the cast, man, nobody knew these people were where these people were going to, to go with their careers. But the cast was amazing. You had Jeff Conaway as Valiant Prince Eric Greystone. Uh, Walter Olkowicz, which is another name that you probably don't recognize, but you've seen him and stuff. He was Marco uh, Eric Greystone's companion and the strongest man in the kingdom, Duncan Reger. Oh, he's he's one like Alan Rickman where he can play anything that he's in is worth watching. Um, he was the evil prince Dirk Blackpool uh, who wanted to take over the kingdom. Julia Duffy was the beautiful princess Ariel. Clive Revel, another Oh, he's a classically trained actor. Uh, he was the evil wizard vector. Uh, then you had the witch Bethel. Um, you had the good wizard Tranquil. Uh, there was, you know, a, a lot of different characters uh, in this cast. But some of these, like you probably recognize some of those uh, names of the actors. Uh, and it was, again, the stories were great. There was a good balance of comedy and action. You cared about these characters. I showed the first couple of episodes because I also have this one on DVD. It was very hard to find, but I got it. I showed the first couple of episodes to my kids and Blackpool has this, his catchphrase, he, he, he'll enter a room and he'll do something terrible. Like he'll walk in and just kill somebody. And then he goes, hi. And <laughs> And that's, that's it. You know, it's like, it's uh, just terribly understated, but it's brilliant. Um, and uh, they love that for after seeing that episode, every time that they would enter the room, they would just give me an, uh, an evil look and they'd go, hi. And, like that was their grand entrance. Uh, but I loved this and there was so many more stories to tell, but it was a mid season replacement. Uh, it, got canceled at the end of its short run i would have loved to have seen more i can watch these over and over the special effects are terrible uh the costumes you know they have little lizard men i mean you can see the zippers sometimes on the lizard man costumes it is really not great in that regard but i didn't care i just loved 
the stories and I loved the characters and watching them do their thing. And I was, I loved them enough to suspend my disbelief. Uh, and there, that, that was definitely put to the challenge more than a few times, but I just absolutely loved the series. Uh, that's another one you can also catch most of those episodes on YouTube as well. Uh, but I recommend the DVDs because the YouTube video transfers are terrible. Uh, DVDs definitely much better. Nice. Nice. All right. My number two pick would be Alf. Uh, <laughs> a great <laughs> series. You know, you had the puppet from Melmac that loved to eat cats because apparently it's a delicacy, but um, you know, that's, that's against the rules here. Uh, you know, you had Max Wright playing Willie Tanner. Uh, you had the Tanner family that he was, you know, living with, but, you know, cause he crash landed into their, their garage and they were keeping him a secret. And, you know, we never really, uh, it, it, you know, the series ended too soon. It just, mm -hmm. it definitely, we never found out if he went back home or not. Um, it was crazy how well that they could do a sitcom where the main character really never left the house. And there was always so much going on in each episode that was entertaining and fun, but you never left the house. I mean, it, it, and it wasn't until years later that, you know, we saw other sitcoms that did really well with this type of formula, like friends, you know, we, we rarely ever saw them outside of their apartments. Um, you know, uh, Seinfeld was very similar to that. A lot of that was done in the apartments, but with Seinfeld, we still kind of traveled away, but <clears throat> I was always excited to see the next episode. I was always glued to see what was going to happen next. Was he going to eat the cat? Uh, what <laughs> what insanity was going to happen next? Because, you know, sometimes he just randomly started building stuff like E.T., you know, uh, trying to be able to contact Melmac and get, get a ride back home. Uh, you know, and it even spun up a small little cartoon series mm -hmm. uh, for a bit. But uh, it definitely was one that, you know, and we've seen Alf pop up a couple times in some commercials and things like that. It would, I don't know if the, the series would do very well now, but it would be interesting if they did a, you know, a kind of a, you know, I, we've seen it with several other shows where they've kind of gone back years later. It'd be interesting to go back years later and see if the, the formula of Alf still works. I mean, you know, like Quantum Leap, they've got a new Quantum Leap uh show going on right now which is a continuation of the the original uh story and you know they're they're looking for sam beckett that's been lost in time it's interesting i think they just canceled that tv show okay well i i know they just had new episodes but we'll see yeah. you know i the the biggest problem is if they did cancel it it's they're not getting to the plot point, which is, you know, they're, they're hinting it at trying to find Sam Beckett, but we're not having any, yeah, you know, uh, clues popping up. That's, mm -hmm. that's what I'm thinking up there, but yeah, no, this you one was definitely, you got to give them a little something. Yeah. This one was definitely, uh, Alf was definitely one that was cut too soon, uh, which is really surprising, you know, especially considering, you know, that, uh, the guy who played, uh, Willie Tanner, uh, Max Wright hated, this show you know he's he's talked about how he just he hated it because you know coming on he was like the big name he was kind of the big name actor mm -hmm. and this you know as he's put it the stupid puppet 
got more attention than me. Well, I mean, when it's a show called Alf, based <laughs> around the alien, you got to kind of figure that's who everyone's going to gravitate towards. Plus, I, I got to put it this way, the alien puppet was more funny than, you know, Max Wright was. No he was lie. definitely the very straight-laced dad, which I appreciate because I really hate now where most dads are portrayed as a bumbling idiot. He definitely wasn't. He had his moments, but a lot of the times he had some really good, solid moments that he showed up as a dad. He also showed up to help Alf uh, and various other things. So I, I do appreciate his portrayal in that yeah. series. Max Wright also was the administrator uh, who was always worried about the budget in Misfits of Science. Oh, yeah. So he was in that show too. All right. For me, my number one show that was gone too soon. And I think this is the one that you were alluding to earlier, Daniel, believe it or not, it's the greatest American hero. Oh yeah. Yep. That's why I'm like, ah, I'm going <laughs> to hold off. Yep. That is, that is the one, you know, he loses his instruction booklet. Yep. Loses the instruction booklet twice. Yep. And uh, he doesn't know how to work the super suit and he has to kind of figure it out. And flying is not one of his talents. Loved that show. Starred William Cat, Robert Culp, uh, Connie Selica, yeah. and uh, Mr. Hinckley, high school teacher, is chosen by aliens to receive the suit that gives him superpowers so that he can do good on the earth. Uh, Robert Culp is an FBI agent by the book. Uh, who's going to help him find things to do. And uh, Mr. Hinckley is more of a liberal uh, coming from a hippie culture, I think kind of a background. Robert Culp is the conservative USA, you know, older guard kind of a, a person. And Connie Selica was just sweet and nice. Uh, yes. She kind of added the heart and compassion to the whole thing. Loved this. William Cat came to a Salt Lake Fanex uh, a couple years ago, got to see his panel and talk with him a couple of times. I would have loved to have, if we had the uh, microphones, then I would have loved to have sat him down for an interview and talk for a little bit. Uh, really had a great time at his panel. He shared some of the behind the scenes things there and uh, what it was like working with Robert Culp and, and going through this series and stuff. It was loved the show so much. Another show that had a fantastic theme song uh it actually yeah. placed on the charts as a single on the on the radio uh it got played back then this was what 1983 1981 it started out in 1981 and it ran until 83 um had two seasons out of it if you get the dvd you will also get to watch the unaired pilot of the greatest american heroine which was supposed to be a spin-off series where they choose an altruistic young woman and she gets to have the suit after uh, Hinckley's identity is uh, exposed and he's no longer able to continue being the greatest American hero because of all the publicity and um, popularity. So they hand it off to somebody else. And I'm thinking, you know, if your secret identity was that important, why didn't the super suit come with a mask? For heaven's sake, people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know it, it, it works for green lantern yeah. <laughs> right yeah yeah so i loved this show did you did you remember that show daniel oh i i, I of course i mean i i have the theme song on my phone 
it was it was a great show and it showed that even when you had superpowers you could still be the hero and be kind of a bumbling fool now he wasn't an idiot he wasn't a bumbling idiot um but he was doing you know he, he got the he got this powers because of this and he felt compelled to step up and be a hero and i mean it, watching him fly was always just like crazy because <laughs> he, he he couldn't fly and you know and this is also you know after superman you know with christopher reeves have come out we've seen this you know blue and red spandex on on the guy and he's flying like superman and then you have you know, Mr. Hinckley in his really red spandex, tight spandex suit, and he goes to take off for the first time and can't. <laughs> and he can't fly. And it's like, what the heck? I'm supposed to be able to do this. And then when he finally figures out how to fly, it's so maddening and crazy that he he's not flying straight. It's not perfect. But that was the really cool thing is watching him evolve as this superhero. And even though he's lost the book. He doesn't know how to do this, but he's figuring it out by trial and error. And, you know, you've got Robert Colt helping him out and and Connie Selica being, like you said, the heart. She's kind of the the heart that guides him, that helps him along this path. And then you've got the old guard that's like, you know, you know, it's kind of like Uncle Ben, you know, with great, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. You got to do this. kid, And, uh, you know, I'm going to help you out type thing. And I and I love Robert Culp as, as an actor. Fantastic. I love the stuff he's been in. But this was just fun because it l- really looked like he was having fun in this role. Mm-hmm. Do you remember there was an episode that was Dungeons and Dragons themed? Yeah. The uh, the kids had this game called Wizards and Warlocks and uh, they kind of got into it. But it was basically Dungeons and Dragons. They yeah. were just and, and a little bit of LARPing thrown in for fun. <laughs> Yeah, in fact, I, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I think Wizards and Warlocks actually was a game. Uh, if it is, I wasn't familiar with it. Um, da, 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 da. No, maybe it isn't. Uh, maybe it was just that, and they were trying to to, to play off it and not get copyright infringement and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Um. But yeah. No. Great. Great show. Great pick for number one. Uh. Definitely died off too soon um and again i i think it was trying to write off the popularity of superman Mm -hmm. but it was just too soon i we weren't in the era of superheroes like we are now no all right uh so my number one pick and i i I love this show uh the adventures of briscoe county jr Oh my gosh. I have never seen that, but everybody who's watching oh. told me it's the best show ever. Well, I, I own it on DVD. If you need to borrow I, I, it. I was out of the country when that aired. Yeah. Uh very <clears throat> short-lived. Uh it's an it's a, a Weird West is the best way to describe it. You yeah. Know, Weird West yeah. is is a western with paranormal and fantasy elements in it. This definitely fits that. Starring Bruce Campbell as Briscoe County Jr. Can't go uh, wrong there. Can't go wrong there. And it felt like a mixture of Indiana Jones and a Western. It really did. Um, you had this orb that he was trying to hunt down because his father, Briscoe County Sr., had been killed. And, you know, he kind of steps in and 
you've got this these crazy characters that are romping around with him and it was just so much fun i really enjoyed it but it ended way too soon uh which was too sad i would have really liked to see uh bruce campbell really uh take this character on and and we know bruce campbell's got the acting chops he's gone a long a long long way from where he started with evil dead and some of these other stuff that he was in but had I, I always go back I always levitate back to the that series um you know if I just want something fun to watch and I don't really need to invest anything that's the first thing that goes into my DVD player um to watch it's just you can't go wrong it's just silly it's goofy and I yeah but I don't know how it ends it's another one of those shows <laughs> that, you know it was canceled before they could even write it an ending you know, and, and I, it's, it's frustrating when yeah. that would happen. At least nowadays, they kind of get a, at least a, enough heads up that they can kind of write an ending for a show. But this one is one of those ones that just never got a proper ending because it ended on a cliffhanger and then it was canceled. Um, so, oh, well, it happens. <laughs> well, that was a great pick. Yeah, I would. Uh, that's a show I would go back and watch again. Yeah, uh, it definitely, great. it definitely is worth it. Um, I'm just trying to see if there's anything else. And if any of our fans, our listeners, are wondering why we didn't mention Firefly, it's because that didn't come out till the 2000s. This yes. is just 80s and 90s. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah. So, for those of you that want to take a look into this, uh, Briscoe County is a a Harvard educated lawyer who decides he doesn't like practicing law, you know, and becomes a bounty hunter because, you know, his, his dad's, uh, was killed by the main villain. Uh, you know, and the, he has his sidekick Lord Bowler and his trusty horse Comet. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's, it's a very tongue in cheek series. It's set in 1893. Uh, it's, it was really, really fun to watch. Um, you know, Billy Drago played Johnny John Bly, which is the main bad guy. Uh, John Austin was in it. Um, so, uh, those of you that don't who know who that is, that was the original Gomez Adams from the Adams family. Uh, there are so many other, so many great characters and people that were in that series. So, and you get Sam Raimi directing and stuff. I mean, oh yeah you there you know it's going to be a good show yeah and that and that was the thing you know it was two friends really coming together to make this this tv series um which you know those two together just seem to really have fun and, and create really great thing which is why i think you know anytime sam raimi does anything uh you know we we continue to see Bruce Campbell show up. I mean, <laughs> Pizza Papa. Who doesn't love Pizza Papa? I know, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> or all the other various characters that Bruce Campbell has played. I mean, I, every Sam Raimi Spider-Man, Bruce Campbell's a different character in that. You know, it's almost like Bruce Campbell's a watcher like, uh, <laughs> like Stan Lee, but that's okay. 
Well, that's great. I think there's, I think we had some good picks in here. I'm yeah. curious what our listeners have to say. What series did we leave off our lists? Is there something that you remember fondly? There's something that gives you lactose intolerance for all the cheese uh, that you remember. Uh, share those with us. We'd love to uh, go back down memory lane with you on these old TV shows. Yeah. So with that, folks, you know, I would check. Continue to check us out. Uh, we've got some great episodes on the way. Like you said, in our next episode, we uh, will be with author Brandon Sanderson to talk about The Lost Metal, his secret project number one. And uh, we'll talk about some writing and other really great things with him that's going on in the world of Sanderson. But not only that, I do believe um, there was a recent book by him and Dan Wells that just came out recently that we maybe we'll even be able to talk to about um oh man it i believe it just came out on january 10th uh, i'm just looking it up now and it is nope i guess it's not hey if it is i can't find it but we'll we'll talk to him we'll find out what's going on in the world of brandon sanderson as well as talk about the final chapter of Wax and Wayne in the Mistborn series. We know Mistborn is not done. It's only phase two of this world. There's two more phases to come. Well, you know, maybe we'll see what the next phase will be like. You know, we're probably not going to get exact details, but at least we'll have an idea of where he's going next and see what else is coming. If there's more Stormlight archives or other worlds in the Cosmere that we may be discovering. So with that said, everyone, we'll catch you next time. Let your geek flag fly, so say we all. And Daniel, we're missing our great, our, our, our big outro. And remember to be epic and don't suck. Remember, the force will be with you always.